0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, the definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, Fantasy Football Mastermind, Michael Maserak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to clicks and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more, each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the fantasy football mastermind edge, Michael Nazareth.
2: Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 11th. This is week two of the preseason. My name name's Michael Nazarek. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy football player and current co-owner of our Fanex team, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris?
0: Very well, sir. Very well. You know, you mentioned being experienced. I just noticed that on the opener, you said more than two decades of experience. We're both pushing three decades of experience in, as fantasy football players and website owners and commissioners and that kind of stuff so we're we're old you're man. exactly right. I need that. to get
2: that updated <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get right to uh the news but before we do, we want to remind everybody they're a very special sponsor of our of our site and this podcast is on my fantasy dot uh, com which is the fantasy Football post championship, whether you're playing in a high stakes league. Uh, a, a mid-stakes league or a low-stakes league because they have these as, as cheap as $35, please check out the guys at myffpc.com. Uh, They pay promptly after the season's over. Uh, They'll even pay out if you win your league before the championship in the main event. Uh, So uh, they're really good guys, and they've been around for more than a decade. It's the only high-stakes fantasy uh, contest that I play in, Uh, so check them out at myffpc.com. And let's get right to the news and notes. Um, You know, right in the middle of the week last week, uh, just as we were updating the rankings and such on Friday, uh, news broke out of Washington that that running back Darius Geis uh, was uh, charged with uh, domestic violence, uh, strangula- uh, strangulation uh, to the point of uh, making his uh, girlfriend unconscious there. Uh, and uh, the Washington and Daniel Snyder and Ron Rivera, the head coach, said, none of this, we're not going to have any of this. And so they cut him. So that leaves uh, Adrian Peterson and, of course, the two rookies, Antonio Gibson and Bryce Love, as well as J.D. McKissick, their new pass-catching back, that replaces Chris Thompson, and then Peyton Barber. And we were all—I uh, was questioning why they even signed Peyton Barber in the off-season. Maybe they kind of knew something about this. Apparently, these charges had kind of been in the works for several months. Uh, and of course, uh, Geis on, on, on just by by chance, he additionally hurt his knee last week running, uh, doing conditioning drills. They didn't know how, how how bad it was or whatever, but you know they cut the uh, they cut the the cord on uh, on Geis so that's just going to leave Adrian Peterson, I guess, for the early-down work. So the question is fantasy impact here. Chris, uh, do you do you target uh, Adrian Peterson later in your draft? Is it three or four or five? or, or what, what what do you do in this situation of your fantasy owner?
0: Well, I think he's definitely a solid four just because of the opportunity he's going to have. And, and you know, even at his age, he's still Adrian Peterson. Uh, the reason he was not being very well looked at was because everyone assumed Darius Geis was going to be get the lion's share of the action. Well, obviously that's not the case. I was never a big Geist fan. I was kind of concerned about the injury and his erratic play. So I, I like Peterson as a solid four. You can make an argument, depending on who your first two are, that he could be a three, um, especially in non-PPR leagues, because he's not going to catch a lot of passes. But uh, I, do, I am intrigued by Peyton Barber. Uh, I think, you know, he, he might just get a little more action. I don't think he's going to be a full RBBC. He might get a little bit more action than a lot of people are, are, are thinking. Or at least certainly than they thought a couple weeks ago.
2: This day and age of COVID, uh, I guess the veterans probably we will get a little bit uh, uh, first uh, more peaked rather than the rookies. They're saying Antonio Gibson still has a lot to learn there uh, with regards to the system and where he fits in there. But I'm, I'm like you, Adrian Peterson. When they get around the goal line, they're going to be running him. He, he showed last year he can he can score near the goal to get the tough yards. So uh, you know I think he is obviously the first option there uh, from from a fantasy perspective, maybe as a four or a five. It just depends on how deep your roster goes there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the coming weeks. Of course, we're not going to have any preseason games to scout, but uh, the practices hopefully will, are set to get, get in the way with the pads next Monday, and, and we'll see what happens when they get on the field there. Now, uh, shifting over to Tampa Bay, uh, head Coach Bruce Serian said, hey, uh, you know, uh, they, are, are we like all the running backs right now but we really like Ronald Jones as our main guy. That's the term that he used in the backfield. So the fantasy impact here is where do you target uh, Ronald Jones if you target him at all, Chris, in in your fantasy draft? Is he a three or is he a four, or is he not trustworthy yet?
0: I think he's a three you could probably get as a four, and I actually do like him because if you go back and look at Bruce Arian's history uh, as an offensive coordinator or as a head coach, he has almost always had a bell cow back who's been been the man on – on most downs and he's carried the load and put up good fantasy numbers. Last year was really kind of the aberration uh, for Bruce Arians because he didn't have anybody that could be that guy. The fact that he says Ronald Jones could be that guy makes me very intrigued because of the way he has run his offenses in the past. You focus on him as being the deep threat passing game guy, but he's always put up good numbers for his main running back um, wherever he's gone, whether it was Indy, Pittsburgh, for sure. Uh, And then really even in Arizona, David Johnson put up some good numbers there. So,
2: Yep. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, the rookie, Kishon Vaughn, is, is calling falling more and more behind because they placed him on the COVID list. We don't quite know if he's got COVID or if he was around somebody with COVID, but he's been on it for, for like a week or more. Uh, so there's some concern there. Uh, you know. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with Ronald Jones. And, of course, this is where Shady McCoy landed. Uh, we talked about that last week, uh, and we'll see how he fits into the passing game. Brees certainly said that McCoy is going to fit into the passing game. He, he feel, feels that he'd be a quick fit there, and it's not going to be an issue there. Now, shifting on over to Cincinnati, uh, A.J. Green's got a lot to prove this year. This year. Uh, you know, He's been gone for uh, more than a year. Uh, you know, He had the ankle injury. They thought he'd be back early last year. He never made it back uh and uh and yet he 's really impressing his teammates uh uh the athleticism and the conditioning work they 're doing the running and such and a couple of those younger uh, rookie teammates are like wow i didn't know this this guy was this good uh you know uh, well uh, we so easy to fret and forget this guy was like uh, you know he first came in the league and took over uh immediate wr one for the bengals uh so the question here is is he considered I, – I wouldn't think that uh, people are going to treat him as a one. He might put up one numbers. But it, in your draft, do you even think of him as a, as a, as a wide receiver two or a three? What, where does he fit in your, uh, in your plans?
0: Well, he's, he's certainly draftable as a three, although, he, he like you said, he's going to put up two numbers, assuming he's healthy and on the field, which the last couple of years has been an issue for him. My bigger concern is not his health or, or his age. My bigger concern is a rookie quarterback – uh, a, a, a running back that can catch a lot of passes as well and a valid threat across the field from him and Tyler Kyler Boyd that he hasn't really had for much of his career. So I, I, I do think he's going to be at least a three that you, that you can certainly draft as a three, but I think he's got the number two upside, which differentiates himself as a, as a tiebreaker amongst all the other guys in his tier uh, on draft day. So when you've got a bunch of guys like him, like, uh, you know, I think T.Y. Hilton also falls in the same category, and he's the same age, in fact, 31. So you look at these guys, and there's about five or six guys that are all the same. They're all WR2s, but guys like Green and Hilton can be a one on any given day. So I think that gives them a little bit of a boost on draft day, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I see that. I see that to comparison uh, very good. We're just drafting in a new FFPC Dynasty draft, and uh, T.Y. Hill was sliding and sliding and sliding. No one wanted to touch The Same thing with A.J. Green, because you know, he's in, they're in their 30s now, but uh, they can put up really good numbers. You're just not going get, to get the longevity that you would if you drafted somebody younger uh, You know that, that's only 24, 25, and, and he is, is putting up those types of numbers. But uh, Speaking of uh, an, another wide receiver that's interesting uh, to hear, that uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, uh, at San Antonio Brown's, uh, uh, I believe, cousin there. or is it, Anyway, uh, he has added, added 23 pounds this off-season. most of it's been muscle. He ended the 2019 season at only 157 pounds. This kid was skinny. And, of course, he's having those foot, ankle injury issues and all, uh, and he, he really made a, a big impact in early games against the Dolphins in the season last year, but then he kind of faded down the stretch. Uh, guy that I drafted on a couple of teams late uh, started a couple of times, got some good games out of, and then he would kind of faded, and he wasn 't trustworthy And then, but now he 's up to one hundred and eighty pounds he says it's all solid muscle and all, and he 's uh, really looking forward to uh, being making more of an impact there. The coaches want to throw want Lamar Jackson to target him deeper. Um, you know, so uh, Jackson said, "I got to get the uh, get the ball at Hollywood more this year." They're really excited about that. Stretch the field more. So, fantasy impact. Uh, Chris, is he a wr three, a wr four? What, what what do you think is the upside for Marquise Brown?
0: Uh, I, I'm I don't know if there is upside, quite honestly. I'm I'm not a huge fan of it, just because I think I've got to believe. And you and I talked about this earlier today. I believe the passing game for the Ravens, statistically, uh, maybe more efficient, but statistically has to regress. I can't believe such a run heavy offense would still support 36 or more touchdown passes this year. So I I don't know if I would really want to boost him up much more beyond a three. Um, The other thing that concerns me is that that's a lot of weight for a little guy to put on. That's a huge difference percentage wise in your math. And for a guy whose game is based on speed, quickness, you know, being a little jitterbug out there, I, I worry about that. Especially when you start talking about the extra mass on ankles, knees, you know, hips, all these sorts of things that, that, you know, 23 pounds is not a lot for a, for a 370 pound lineman to add, that's, you know, that's a couple of lunches, but for a, for a 157 pound jitterbug, that's, that's, you know, 25% of his body, 20% of his body mass. So that's, that worries me a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not as sold on that being a positive as most people.
2: Well. Well, uh, you make a good point there, and unfortunately, uh, once again, we won't get to see this type of uh, issue uh, crop up because there's no preseason games before the games begin. So he might just go right on into the season at 180. It might end up being a little bit slower, can't get the separation, and then he ends up being worthless for fantasy owners. Then again, he may, you know, because the uh, increased muscle, you know, really built up his legs and be able to get more speed there and actually impre- you know, uh, catch more longer passes and stay on the field longer. So obviously, that's what the Ravens are open there, but. You you know, it's a little bit of a you know a risk reward type situation there. Um, in my book, probably no higher than a four uh, in my in you know my book in terms of uh, drafting a fancy team. But somebody that does have a little bit of upside there with possibly WR three possibility. We'll see. We're going from there. Anyway, let's get right to the injuries. Uh, real quick, got, injury.
0: I said I think he's got much better value in a draft master league. He's going to have big weeks and no weeks. I think. So yep. as, as, a, as a four, he's a great guy for a draft master league. As a three or four. If you got to play him every week, I'd be nervous. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's, I, I, I see exactly your point. Best ball format, uh, kind of like Deshaun Jackson, right? <laughs> when he's healthy mm-hmm. and on mm-hmm. with his quarterback, yeah, he can have those big games. Real quick, the injuries uh, just go right down the list here. Sony Michelle uh, with the foot. Uh, he's still uncertain to play week one, and as a result, the Patriots signed Lamar Miller, who's coming off a 20 ACL. We'll see how that works out there and see if Miller sticks to the final roster or not. Uh, I think it's probably going to depend on how Michelle does. Rashard Penny, of the torn ACL coming off there, he still remains on the active pup list. Uh, no, no, uh, no updated information on whether he's going to stay on that list or not before the season begins. Moving to wide receivers, Jarvis Landry activated from the pup. That's good off that hip surgery. It looks like he's good to go. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, you're in a the town there uh, of the country. Uh, he's still on the NFI list with the, the, the minor hamstring thing, but they talked to him last week. They said he's, he thinks he's going to be activated next week. Is there any other update from Indy on uh, T.Y. Hilton, Chris?
0: That's really the key to- because next week is when they're going to start actually being able to have passing drills and seven-on-sevens and stuff so they can work on the timing with, with Philip Rivers.
2: Yep. Okay, uh, Devo Samuel with the foot. He's on the NFI list, likely to miss at least a few games and could miss the first six if they put him on the reserve pup to begin the season. We'll keep an eye on that. Deontay Johnson with a hernia, a sports hernia surgery in the off-season. He says he's 100%, so he's good to go. Preston Williams coming off that torn ACL. He could play week one, but not a lot. We'll see. Uh, Kenny Stills was placed on the NFI list with an illness. Uh, not, uh, we're not sure, uh, you know, he's not on the COVID list, so I don't know what kind of illness he has, but we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Corey Davis with the toe, uh, he, had, he underwent off-season surgery on that troublesome big toe. He's been placed on the pup list. They're, they're hopeful that he'll be able to be activated and play week one. And Mohamed Sanu was actually activated from the pup list, so he's good to go for New England. Uh, cleaning up the NFL COVID-19 opt-out list. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, well, the, uh, the opt-out list, we'll jump ahead to that real quick. Uh, there were two more uh, receivers from Miami that opted out. Robert Wilson and Alan Hearns says, so as a result, Miami signed former Colt Chester Rogers. Uh, Chris, real quick, Chester Rogers, uh, possibly number three, number four receiver down in Miami behind uh, uh, Devonta Parker and uh, Preston Williams. What, what do you think? Do you think he has any kind of value, possible fantasy value at all?
0: Maybe in PPR, because he's, he's, I mean, Julian Edelman-Light, he's a great slot receiver, kind of over the middle, move the chain sort of guy. So uh, he did really well filling in for T.Y. Hilton, and he served that role very well. I mean, they just love dumping to him on little shots over the middle. So you know they're going to like him there. I don't know if there's enough balls available for him to be fantasy relevant, but he's an interesting PPR dash in deep leagues.
2: Okay, we'll keep an eye on Chester Rogers down in Miami. Uh, Back to the COVID-19 list, Eagles head coach Doug Peterson still asymptomatic, still on the list, so, you know, he's working through it. Uh, Jalen Samuels-Pittsburgh, he's still on the list, too. There's a talk now that actually Jalen Samuels, if he stands on the list too long, he might not actually make the team because they got Benny Snell and, uh, and, and, and a rookie or two there uh, behind James Conner. Uh, Kenny Galladay, good news. In Detroit, he was activated. So was uh, fellow teammate T.J. Uh, T. Hawkinson, the tight end. He was activated. And James Washington down in Pittsburgh was also activated, so it looks like they're good to go. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, uh, we want to urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Lots of good free stuff there, including NFL Quick Bits every day. Uh, we're still tracking free agent tra- uh, as a sign. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the coaching uh, as well, the player moves. Uh, free agent, uh, eye in the sky, uh, free eye in the sky scouting reports, including reports on the Colts from Chris Rito. Of course, uh, we've updated our Masters list. We did that a couple times on Friday because of the guys release, as well as our MCP board and our executive draft master. Those are all premium items. version two of the preseason draft guide was released last Friday Increased uh, almost 40 pages on up to 395 pages, 16 articles in there too, including a very uh, comprehensive offensive line analysis piece by John Cooney. Uh, Chris, uh, you've produced several articles for for this year, including one that uh, we just released today called Tricks of the Trade During COVID-19. If anyone uh, wants to know not only uh, the process, thinking process of an experienced player in terms of uh, trading fantasy players, but also how to approach it during this uh, crazy time, this is the, the one article that you need to read in the guide. The draft guide is 19.95. We've got several more articles coming, including other articles from Chris Rito, as well as our perfect draft series from John Cooney coming up this Friday, as well as next week. Uh, our premium summer rates, uh, Pro Bowl package, which includes the weekly newsletter and our draft guides, 49.95. Our Super Bowl package, everything, uh, the guide, the weeklies, as well as the executive draft masters, 59.95. And please follow me on at, on Twitter. At FF Mastermind, let's get right to the top 10 uh, PPR-based running backs uh, on your list, on our list. Uh, Chris, your top uh, three, Uh, who are they?
0: Well, I'm pretty sure that everyone's got the same top three, and most people have in in a very similar order, but mine's a little different. I'm going to start with Christian McCaffrey. If, If you need me to tell you why the unquestioned overall number one pick in Redraft or Dynasty PPR or 9 PPR is the top of this list, you probably shouldn't be playing FFL, or you definitely need to invest in Mike and the full mastermind package to help you out because this is a no brainer. Um, they got a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach, new quarterback, and maybe regression to the mean brings it back to earth, but I think he's still the guy you take number one, no question. I've got Ezekiel Elliott number two. I think he's the safest pick on the board, especially at the top of the board, and honestly, the only one to really consider if you think McCaffrey is due for a drop from the top spot. Uh, he didn't lead the league in rushing per game for the first time in his career, but he was still one of the top rushers at a top TD score. And he's a very active part of the passing game, which most people don't appreciate. And the centerpiece of one of the league's best offenses, he's probably got the highest floor of all the top guys. And I've got Saquon Barkley number three. Obviously, as a rookie in 2018, he led the NFL with over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And he might have challenged C-Max season-long nagging injury. But it's that injury that concerns me and moves the third on my list because he's been minorly dinged all throughout his college and pro career, uh, even though he's played through a lot of them. I think he's due for a bounce-back season, and I couldn't argue if you took him over Zeke as the difference is very small, especially in a PPR.
2: Yep. Uh, well, my top five include the top three exactly in the same order. You got them for PPR, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Mr. Fantasy God last year. Uh, you can't not choose him in number one. I mean, you know, I mean, rushing for well over a thousand yards, a uh, dozen or so touchdowns, over a hundred catches, almost a thousand yards in catches. Uh, another three or four touchdowns, I mean, it, it's it, there's just no one to compare there as long as he stays healthy. That's the big issue. Number two on my list is Zeke. Uh, you know, for many of the same reasons uh, ahead of Barkley, but, you know, in this day and age of COVID, Elliott's had COVID and gone through it, so that means he's not going to catch it again, hopefully. Uh, most people don't get it twice. And uh, so I got him number two there. I got Barkley number three for the same reasons. You know, he's got so much talent and all, but I tell you, he struggled with that ankle injury. And for the same reason that I, I initially uh, – uh, had this guy a lot lower, but I moved him up last week when we heard that he played most of the year with a torn MCL. That's Alvin Kamara down in, in New Orleans. Uh, I just look at what he did a couple two pre- previous seasons. I said if this guy's healthy, uh, you know he's going to return to form there. And, and basically, even on a, on a bad knee, he only averaged about two points less in a PPR system with, than Derek Henry, who had the big year and led the league in rushing last year, and, and so Alvin had a bad year. Well, I think he's going to bounce back and have a top four year this year. He's number four in my book, and number five in my book is is the guy's so done, dynamic. If he could just make it through a season unscathed, everybody would be really happy to own him, maybe number one overall, or close to Christian McCaffrey's Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. Uh, you know, He's just so Dynamic. They they're just so run heavy down there in Minnesota. Uh, you know he can take uh, the pitch and go around the corner, run 80 yards for a touchdown. I got him down of over 1,200 yards rushing, a dozen scores, another 60 catches or so, 570, and a score. Uh, you know there was talk about him being holding out and all, but this is not one of those seasons where you really can. So he reported on time. He still wants a new deal. They may give him a new deal. I don't know. But so far, you know everything's in line for him to play a full season. And uh, Chris, you and I just selected him. And with the eighth pick in the overall first round, of the Fanex draft, that's the other thing. People, you can follow me on Twitter. I have a direct link to the Fanex draft there, and you can follow uh, along with uh, Chris and, and I as we draft. And then for premium subscribers, we're blogging our pick analysis as we make our picks. So uh, anyone that buys our draft guide can check out exactly why uh, uh, Chris and I drafted the guys we drafted in our first pick was uh, was Dalvin Cook, and our second pick in round two was Josh Jacobs. So, and we'll get to talking about him very soon here. What's the, what about the rest of your top five, Chris?
0: Well, I've got Alan Kamara fourth also. Like you said, he played hurt all year, and he also suffered through a string of games without the threat of Drew Brees uh, in the backfield during his first season as a bell cow uh, in New Orleans. Uh, inexplicably, he just couldn't find the end zone for like several months before finally turning it on in the fantasy playoffs as well. So if you take out that that kind of an aberration in his low scoring – he kind of ticks back up even in a very down year and had a had a decent year. I think a healthy Camara earns this spot in a PPR because his TDs are going to rebound and he's just an absolute lock for 80 catches. He's had all three years of a career he's had 80 or 80, 81 or 82 catches, and he had 80 last year playing like you said with the torn MCL. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, I do have Josh Jacobs actually number five on my list. Um, He was a a number one running back and amongst the league's leading rushers when he got hurt, when he hurt that shoulder last year, and he gutted it out for a few weeks before getting shut down as a rookie. I think he's going to remain the focal point of that offense, and he'll get the volume to merit this position. Um, There's a bunch of guys in in this kind of tier for me that are very close um, and the one thing that made me move him to the front of the list is after being a huge pass catcher in college, he did little as a pro as a rookie. So I think even with a little slight uptick here, he vaults into that mid first round discussion for your PPR draft. And of all the guys in this tier that I, I'll mention when we come back from my six through 10, he seems to be the one with the clearest path towards a rise in statistical uh, success this year.
2: Okay. The next three on my list, starting with number six, I already mentioned him Dirk Henry. What's not to like there? He's talking about 1,600 yards rushing, uh, 14, 15 scores. Uh, He doesn't catch much, but 20 catches, uh, 200 yards, maybe another score, too, like he did last year. That puts him number six in my book. Uh, You know, if you're drafting real late in the first round and he slides to you, uh, be happy, take him. Don't don't question it. Uh, Number seven, Joe Mixon. Boy, he struggled uh, to get much of anything done early last year, but he really came on in the second half. Uh, you know, And I think with Joe Burrow, they're, they're going to open up even uh, – they're going to spread him around. They're going to throw to him more and get more touches, uh, and I think he's just going to be uh, more productive. And I've got him almost 1,300 yards rushing, nine scores, about 40-some-odd catches, 300 yards, and another couple scores in the air. He's number seven in my book. And number eight right behind him is Austin Eckler at the Chargers. I know there's no Phillip Rivers there anymore but uh, Eckler's always a do-everything type of guy, and now there's no Melvin Gordon at all. So even, you know, I've just got him here at 700 yards rushing and five scores, you right, not too good, right? But 70-plus catches, almost 700 yards uh, receiving, another four uh, touchdowns that way, and everything in a PPR system puts him right up here at number eight. And, uh, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have an issue drafting him at, at the end of the first round, start of the second, you know, uh, in that situation. So what about the rest of your top ten, Chris?
0: I've got Derrick Henry number six. Um, Like you said, he finished very high top three in PPR scoring despite only catching 18 passes last year and missing a game and a half at the end. There's little reason to believe the Titans won't ride Henry hard again, so he'll definitely get the touches. He's a safe pick as a number one in the latter half of the first round, but he is one with a cap stealing due to his lack of involvement in the passing game, I, I think for sure. I've got Dalvin Cook next at seven. Um, obviously, that pesky injury history makes me devalue him relative to the other guys in the tier. Um, last year, he stayed healthy for the first time and finished as an RB number five overall. He scored a touchdown almost every game. So I think the loss of digs may also mean an uptick in touches, but then that might also increase the injury odds here. So if I'm drafting in the mid to late first and I've got the choice of the safer Henry or the explosive Cook, I can understand why you'd opt for safety, but the upside of a top three finish is there. You just better get Alexander Madison late. Um, I got Joe Mixon, number eight. You know, he's had back-to-back seasons as a top-eight rusher, despite playing for the league's worst team. So they were never running out the clock. He's a true every-down back. He's only going to come off the field for breathers, not for situational relief. He's moderately productive as a receiver, and he could grow in that capacity, like you said. And I think a rookie quarterback might use that safety valve running back a little more in 2020 than he has in the past. Uh, He also has a viable backup in Gio Bernard, so they won't run him into the ground. Number nine, and I know this is one's one that's going to raise some eyebrows on Mike because he doesn't agree with this, but I got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I just can't rate the guy any lower. He's an unproven rookie, and he'll surely share the rock in some fashion, especially early, but even a chunk of the pie that is the the offense is great because it's a huge pie. He should be the main fantasy running back scorer for Kansas City and could easily repeat what Kareem Hunt did two years ago as a rookie. The difference is this year we know that CEH is the top guy heading into your draft. He probably will go before some of the guys I have listed ahead of him But if he's here at the spot in the late first round, early second, I take him and don't look back. And then i got Miles Sanders, number 10. Uh, The rookie finished as RB15 last year, despite not really playing much in the season's first half, splitting time behind Jordan Howard. Nonetheless, he became the main threat later and still posted top 10 numbers at the head of that timeshare the rest of the year. Howard's now out of town. No real threat to his touches remain. So he's in line for a huge uptick in usage. They got questionable receiving options in Philly and a very running back-friendly game plan. So that helps a loan back in the equation. And don't overlook, he actually caught 50 passes as a part time rookie last year. So that number could also climb.
2: Yep. Uh, well, you just mentioned a couple guys that uh, that are at the tail end of my list. Number nine, I've got Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, you've got him a little bit higher, but uh, what's not to like here? Uh, you know, he was battling that shoulder injury all year, but he's he's going to be the guy. I mean, a world, true workhorse back there. I got him forecasted almost 14 yards, 1400 yards rushing, about 10 scores, 30 some odd catches, another 250 on yardage there, and another score, and uh, solidly in the top 10. And I I like our uh, like you, I love Miles Sanders as number. Number ten here. Uh, even though I've got, just got him rushing for just under a thousand yards with five scores on the ground there, the fact that I think he's going to catch more than 60 passes this year for another 600 yards and another couple scores, so he's a lot on the light end here and, and scoring almost only seven from my projections, but. Uh, You know, when you're looking at overall total yards, more than 1,500 yards, uh, you know, he he makes a big impact, number 10. And it's not that I don't like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I got him down at number 16, ooh, really low compared to most people. I just kind of like, well, he's got to prove himself. I know how Andy Reid likes to shuttle those backs back and forth, and, you know, if he struggles or he fumbles once or twice or whatever, you know, he might not see the field for a little bit of time. And, of course, I do still have uh, Darrell Williams there, Darman Thompson, uh, other backs even without McCoy they don't need. So, uh, you know, and then they signed DeAndre Washington, too, who's a good pass-catching back. So we'll see uh, how good uh, CEH is. Uh, you know, I think he's good. Uh, is he really great? I don't know. I, I, I kind of tend to err more on the safety side of things when you're drafting somebody, especially an RB1. Uh, you know, I would love him as an RB, B two, but, you know, he's probably going to go in the first round of most of these drafts, and like I said last week, in, in one of the pros versus Joe's FFPC drafts, he went number one overall ahead of Christian McCaffrey, and I just was shaking my head, wow, that, that took a lot of guts to do that, so, anyway, yeah, that's our kidding. top ten, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprising okay let's go over a couple of uh guys sleeper guys are underrated guys and and overrated guys uh who, who do you uh who do you like as underrated for this year at running back chris
0: uh, I've actually got a whole handful of guys, but two guys I'm going to highlight here. I'll start with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he's strikingly still being drafted as the RB number 23 overall and in the fourth or fifth round as of today. He'll definitely outperform that draft slot. The O-line has improved. The wide receiver core is improved to attract attention. And certainly his nose for the end zone should regress back towards his personal mean. He only scored four touchdowns on over 300 touches last year. For a guy you can get as your number three in many drafts, he's a dude with low-end number one potential, especially in PPRs. I mean, in a terrible year last year, he added 66 receptions with a new team. That's pretty impressive. And I do like Leonard Fournette. He's another guy whose performance is just not commensurate with his draft position, as he's generally being drafted as a low two or a high three. He's one of the few workhorse backs, although the addition of Chris Thompson could cut into his career-high 76 catches last year. He's still a receiving threat, a big TD guy, and his TDs were shockingly low three last year on over 300 touches. And I mentioned that for, for Bell. Guys with over 300 touches, the average last year was 11 touchdowns. So these guys have got to regress back up to the mean, and that'll jump him in the rankings. He's had three straight years as a low-end RB number one, but he's getting no love in drafts. So if those all come back to the normal, I think he's a borderline number one statistically guy that you can get much, much later in his draft. And even if he gets traded, someone trading for him is going to use him a lot.
2: Okay, I knew you were going to put that last point in there. That's the only that I have with Fournette is the fact that I don't think he's going to be a Jaguar uh, right before the trading deadline, but we shall see because it's going to be an interesting season because of COVID. Anyway, a couple of sleeper picks for, for myself. Jordan Howard down in Miami, uh, you know, they're, they're only forecasting about 50% of the touches there and I really love the talent of Matt Brightup but the, the other new back there, but he cannot stay healthy uh, and uh, you know, uh, the other thing is that Jordan Howard is a bull at the goal. Uh, he knows how to score when they get, get in close and I think with Tua at, at the helm there, they're going to give him a lot. More chances there, so this is somebody that you can draft as an R- 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 as a, uh, actually uh, RB, yeah, as a RB five or six. And, uh, and, and possibly get three or four-type uh, production out, out of them, especially those bye weeks is going to be very important, especially in a non-PPR league. Jordan Howard has got it to target late in your draft. And, of course, A.J. Dillon, the rookie uh, for, for the Packers. Uh, I love Aaron Jones' talent, but I, I think he's way overrated there, uh, only simply because I think that the Packers are going to mix and match a lot of Dillon. A bigger back there, and uh, he's going in a lot, late in a lot of drafts because Aaron Jones is very popular early in these drafts. So you can pick Dylan, and it's not somebody you're probably going to start right off the bat. But if he gets hot, you know, by the end of the season, if the Packers have already ruled out that they're not going to extend Aaron Jones, then AJ Dylan's going to be could be the guy there with Jamal Williams uh, backing him up. Um, uh, a couple of overrated guys for me, and when we will get to Chris's overrated guys, uh, I just really scared by Todd Gurley's knees. Uh, <laughs> I know the Rams just you know basically cut him, uh, you know, and then and then of course the, the the Falcons picked him up. Uh, couldn't really get him in there for a physical because of COVID, but they did get him in there and sign him and all, and they're just they're happy and all. But after the way he was used, you know, only in spurts last year, especially late last year for the Rams. It's just scaring me away. Uh, he, he, he is being drafted in a lot, of, a lot of places in the third and fourth round as, a, as an RB2, and I don't even want him as an RB3. So that's kind of somebody that, that's off my draft board completely. And on Johnson, only because he seems to get injured and injured that knee the first couple of years in the league, uh, so good while he's healthy. And then they've got Donder Swift there. So if they ended up seeing those guys initially with Kerryon Johnson maybe starting, and then, uh, you know, if Swift uh, really impresses and Carrion gets a, a knee – he could be, you know, while he pipped right out of right out of the roster later on in the season or at the end of the season. So I'd be very uh, very careful about drafting. Carryon Johnson would not touch him as a one, two, or three in that situation. How about a couple of guys that uh, you think are overrated, uh, Chris?
0: Well, you mentioned Aaron Jones. If he's not the poster child for regression to the mean, I don't know who is and it's it's certainly a guy I won't have in any league this year because I have him rated so low on my draft board relative to his ADP. He had more rushes, yards, receptions, and touchdowns last year than he had in his first two seasons combined, and it's that 19 touchdowns that I absolutely know have to regret, and that's what drove his RB number two finish last year. You mentioned A.J. Dillon. I think he and the return of a healthy Jamal Williams, don't forget him, that's going to cut in his touches and certainly his goal line looks. He just won't return value on investment at his current draft position, in my opinion. And then another guy who also won't return, who's being overdrafted is Nick Chubb. Um, he's still being drafted as an RB number one, but I have my doubt. In, in the eight games without Kareem Hunt, he was a mid-range number one. Very solid, but he was barely a fantasy starter once Hunt came on board for the last eight games. He was RB 23 or 24 in a PPR system. Hunt actually equaled him in PPR scoring over that time. They were only up by like two points in those eight games. So while feeding all of the passing downs to Hunt almost, he only had 10 catches in those last games, and Hunt's going to be there all year this time. So I can see his gaudy workload being reduced as the team uses more of an RBBC, making him, again, a very overdrafted guy who is a solid RB2, but not going to return that RB1 uh, return on investment from where you have to take him.
2: Yep. I agree with you there. So uh, before I uh, sign off here, we're getting a lot of questions from people thinking, I don't think there's going to be an NFL season. College football looks like they're canceling a lot of their seasons, the Big Ten, the Pac-10, whatever. SEC still wants to play. Uh, <laughs> down down where, where I lived a lot of years down in Alabama, I think they're, they're going to end up playing. And it's like, well, what's really going to happen here? How can, how can college football uh, not play and yet the NFL can play? And, and the answer is money. There's a lot of money, and they're putting it into the safety of the players, putting the safety of the players first. Uh, got the COVID list and all. And there's just too many young players, and there's not enough money in all these colleges to keep all these players safe, and that's – Probably the reason why a lot of them are not going to play or they're going to delay their seasons until the spring, and we'll see how that works. But I'm pretty confident that uh, so far, uh, you know, in the first two weeks here, we have had some people added, put on the COVID list and, and catch COVID and all, uh, but uh, we haven't had any, heard of anybody really getting sick uh, to the point, you know, where uh, it's really affecting the game. And uh, I know that we're going, waiting another week to put the pads on and get the practice and all. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much encouraged that there is going to be a, a season, or at least a start to the season. We'll see what happens once we get into it. Uh, but I think there is going to be some kind of full uh, season or complete season. not sure if it's going to be the full 16 games. But, you know, we're really excited about it. So everyone is kind of on the fence. Uh, you know, time time's going to run out, people. There's only, you know, we've got like three, three weeks left here before the start, start of the season here, less than a month now. Uh, and and so get your uh, lead together, formulate a time to do your draft and all. And uh, you know we're going to hope for the best. And uh, you know hopefully you guys can still support the site and such. Uh, we got a lot of people waiting on the on the sidelines. We are here working hard for you. And whenever you're ready to buy, we're ready. We're we're ready to help you out and and, and get your uh, get you prepared for your draft. So with that being said, thanks for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when the wide receiver position from a fantasy perspective is previewed for 2020. Good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week, and I know there are a lot of guys out there drafting, so best of luck.
1: You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.